powered by Riverside FM. When Books of Blood was first published in the United States in paperback, horror legend Stephen King was quoted on book covers, saying, I have seen the future of horror, and his name is Clive Barker. Born October 5th, 1952 in the English city of Liverpool, Clive Barker is a novelist, playwright, author, film director, and visual artist, best known within the realm of horror fiction. As all of those job titles should allude to, Barker has been a long-time proponent of his work going beyond the realms of the written word, the most successful examples of which might be his own Hellraiser and Candyman series of films that continue to get new adaptations even to this day. But perhaps most relevant to this podcast, Clive Barker's name has been attached to video game projects, both of which are first-person shooters. The first title to bear his name is considered something of a cult hit, with an 80% approval rating on Metacritic, and was an early shining example by a developer who would go on to define the FPS genre. The game that we're talking about today isn't that one. Because on this episode of Bullet Time, we're taking a look at Mercury Steam's 2007 shooter, Clive Barker's Jericho. love Clive Barker. Excellent. <laughs> I also love Clive Barker. I will be honest though. So Pim, uh, we asked you on this episode for a couple of different reasons, mostly because you also played Clive Barker's Jericho, which is what we're talking about today. Yes. Actually, you know what? I'm going to try something a little bit different, which is, hi folks, welcome to Bullet Time, the video game cool. podcast where uh, we analyze the shooters that miss their mark. I've had it a couple of instances recently where I don't say the pot like I don't introduce the podcast right at the introduction of the podcast. It you just get people in that have no idea what they're listening to, <laughs> and then you say it and they're like, "Oh wow, in bullet time!" God, well, they're just what is this? What I'm listening to? Nah, <laughs> I don't want to have anything to do with this. Bye. Or I invite them on, telling them it's like, um, yeah, no. Usually, I just want to have people on calls. It's just like you know. If we're doing like any like artwork together, like thumbnail stuff, I just want to like talk through ideas and stuff like that. And then like ten minutes into the conversation, hello and welcome to Bullet Time, and it's just like, wait, what? <laughs> oh, that's why he kept mentioning guys. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. It's kind but, of genius, actually. What? Just like um, ensnaring people into appearing on a podcast, just because it's like you wouldn't want to leave because you wouldn't want to make it awkward, would you? You'd want to just like. Oh, I definitely won't leave. <laughs> no, exactly. You'd be like locked into it. And the problem with you is, Ben, is that we'll do that once. And I'll be like, and by the way, folks, as you all know, this is our special Gunathon special 24 hours <laughs> of live <laughs> podcasting. And it's I, just like, wait, what? I'd say I'd hop out, but I, I do recall there are times in the, the campaigns that we used to run together oh, where gosh, you, yeah. I'd say you three would probably go off on a tangent about something that I had no idea about. <laughs> And I would just sit there until we got back on track about half an hour later. And I'd be like, okay, time to go. 
I feel really sorry about that because that would usually <laughs> happen in campaigns that you ran, where it would oh, just yeah. be me, Snake, and um. So, Pim, there's a guy that all three of us know who his name is Patrick, but for some reason we all just call him Swede, and the reasoning is because. <laughs> He's a Swedish, like he's just like, oh, that's my online name because I'm a because uh, I'm a Swedish guy, and it's like, oh, okay, <laughs> fair fair enough, I guess. I'd like to introduce you to my friend Nord. Ah, yeah, I'd like to introduce you to my friend Welsh and my uh, friend um, uh, North of England. Like, I we we need oh, to find the only other. To me, the, the, all those just sound like like names you'd find in a Call of Duty game. Like that's that's Swede. He doesn't oh. talk very much. <laughs> That's, yeah. that's Welsh. Oh god, what's the um? Oh, it's it's soap in it in um in Call of Duty Modern Warfare. You just play as a guy called Soap. Yeah, like wow. he's the main character in in the original Modern Warfare. That's a guy really cool. named Soap. Which is funny because in the original Modern Warfare, he's a um he's a voiceless protagonist in the style of like Link from the Legend of Zelda or um Half Life guy. Uh, Gordon Freeman, I couldn't remember his name initially there. <laughs> but then in Modern Warfare 2, they give him a voice and they give him like the thickest Scottish accent, which is just kind of like, okay. <laughs> I mean, that's a that's a choice, I guess. If you're going to give your character a voice in the next game, why not just give him the most distinct voice, I guess? It would be weird though if Link in the next game was just a scouser, you know? <laughs> I don't know. I know that one. I was th- I was debating whether to try and do a Scouse accent on that. I really don't think you should. No, because I did. I've heard f- it before. <laughs> bringing it back around to the campaigns that we used to be in, I did used to do a Scouse accent in that, and it wasn't very good. Speaking of which, the person whose name is attached to this game, which I was telling Ben about, um, old Clive Barker, is Liverpool's answer to Stephen King, which, you know, wow. that's a... Uh, interesting little factoid there pim you're here because compared to the two of us you're the horror expert i think actually you know what we're introducing the podcast pim introduce yourself to the folks at home if they don't know you or the stuff that you do you know just lay it on you know what's the what's your thing well, apparently I'm the horror expert. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I'd say so. Of, of, wait, of the two people, of the three people here, your your horror expertise is a lot higher than it's ours. It's a comparative thing. Yes. I mean, I do have a, a uh, horror-based YouTube channel, so uh, yeah, that might yeah? be the case. Yeah. For sure, yeah. So yeah, my, my channel name is uh, Pim's Crypt, where I make uh, video essays about most things horror. Uh, it can be everything from... Movie related to video game related to uh, uh, just uh, you know the horrors of capitalism. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and what's your history with the work of Clive Barker? I guess because I only know him as Mister Hellraiser. Basically, <laughs> I, 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 th- I think most people know him as that. And, and and the strange thing is that like one of the most like famous quotes about uh, Clive Barker is like, I've seen the future of horror and his name is Clive Barker. And that was a quote from Stephen <laughs> King. Yes. Uh, and somehow like that future never really materialized. Uh, no, Which I, I think it's a shame because like, yeah, because like in the late, 
80s, early 90s, he was quite a... Like, yeah, I think they were pushing him quite hard as... Well, I say pushing him hard. I think the hope was that, yeah, he would be, like, the next Stephen King. But then it is only really Hellraiser, I suppose, Candyman that has kind of stuck around in regards to, like, cultural footprint. But um, he has written a lot of stuff, though, over the years. Oh, yeah. and Yeah, for sure. No, absolutely. Which... Includes the game that we're talking about today, which is Clive Barker's Jericho. Now, not to repeat something which uh, we may have talked about off mic twice already, but you know what? I think this will be really good for the podcast. So I'm going to mention it again. Um, I asked you to play Clive Barker's Jericho for the podcast, and um, you basically beat it. Like within hours of me asking you, <laughs> basically, yeah. So, so uh, here's the thing: I already yes. own Clive Barker's Jericho. You have to say the entire title each time, by the way. You can't oh, just call it Jericho. It's Clive Barker's Jericho each and every time. Yeah. Uh, so I, I had played it before, but I never finished it. Uh, and I, I own the PS3 version, which is not the I- ideal version to play because it runs basically at 10 FPS. Wow. Uh, yeah. And uh, yeah, so so I, I was asked to, to be on the podcast and I just figured like this, like finally, this is an excuse to actually finish this game because I am familiar with Clyde Barker's work. Uh, I've, I've watched uh, at least some of the Hellraiser movies. I, I watched The Candyman, obviously, mm. uh, and I've seen some other stuff as well. And But mostly I know him from like osmosis, I guess. Yeah. Uh, and just the fact that he is uh, like a really... Uh, outspoken kind of guy, like he doesn't hold things back. Oh yeah, um, in, in a good is, way or a bad way. In a, in a, I would say generally in a good way. Yeah, uh, okay, good, okay, he good. was one For of sure. the, he was one of the first like very like openly homosexual like writers, like kind okay. of at a time where yeah, a lot of, especially kind of in the horror community, people were very kind of cagey around that stuff, and hmm. it's interesting because a lot of it does run through his. Especially in the case of Clive Barker's Jericho, a lot of that stuff does run through his work, but in a way where, like, a lot of kind of horror writers and especially like horror movies of the time would kind of lean on that stuff in kind of like a kind of a gross and monstrous sort of way. But the way that Clive Barker writes about that kind of stuff is very enlightening, I suppose, is one term, but he writes about it in a way more positive way than a lot of other people do, which I think is like such a cool thing about him yeah like uh he has this he has this thing with duality like it's, no, it's never really something is ultimately good or ultimately bad it's always like you know the 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 the, the juxtaposition of pain versus pleasure in yes. the hellraiser franchise like sort of that kind of thing runs through a lot of his work that i know of like it's it's duality it's twin dimensions it's things crossing from one plane to another uh, and and all of that has always interested me about his work like from a uh, outside point of view mm. so i figured like okay this is the time to play through this game i know it's not supposed to be very good and my memory <laughs> of it wasn't that positive but i wanted to give it a shot and i just started playing through it and at some point i got stuck i got stuck a bunch of times i should say but at this particular place, I just felt like, okay, I'm just going to look up a walkthrough and see what I should do next. 
And it turned out that I was like more than halfway through, or at least halfway through the game. And the game itself wasn't actually that long. I think the walkthrough was like four hours or something like that. Yeah. Um, so, so I just figured, okay, I'm just going to commit to this. Like this is, it's the weekend. I don't have much else to do right now. I'll just commit. Yeah. So I did finish it in one sitting and, uh, I can't say I'm happy about it, <laughs> no. but I finished it, no. and that is an accomplishment that I now have. You know what? I very much respect that you were able to finish Clive Barker's Jericho, because I didn't. <laughs> I no, tried my hardest to stick with Clive Barker's Jericho, and I guess we'll get into this a little bit, but like, oh, it was... Um, well, <laughs> of the well, FPS, gu- gu- Ben, gu- you go, you go. Yeah, gut check. Um, I I started playing it and it it felt pretty generic to me. I didn't know mm. um, anything about the game, so I was like, okay, where well, you go around, you shoot uh, monsters. Yes. Um, but then you get to a a part where so the main I guess mechanic of this game is you can actually body swap um, between. At the moment, I have six different characters. I don't know if that ever changes, mm. um, but. Uh, you switch seeing these different characters and they all have their own abilities. And I messaged James, James right as I get to this point, basically. I I, I was quite excited for the possibilities um, at this point. <laughs> and I say, it's just like Geist, the game we just played. And he said, yeah, it's like Geist, but shit. And I was like, well, okay. <laughs> <laughs> it's, kind um, of, it's kind of an apt comparison. <laughs> I will give the game this, which is, and we were talking about Clive Barker a little bit, and on paper... The concept of this game, and I would say a lot of the aesthetic and writing stuff in this game, is really good. Like, mm-hmm. so just to kind of give like a, to the folks at home who may not have heard of Clive Barker's Jerry, I keep wanting to call it Clive Barker's Jerry Kill, as in like the hairstyle <laughs> from the 80s. Also, um, the main baddie game in this I game is called play. Jerry. Yeah, you, you would, <laughs> you'd want to play a hairdressing simulator where like Clive Barker keeps coming in and says... I want to try something else this weekend, but what can you do for me? <laughs> and you go for the effort of like giving him like a perm and stuff like that and spraying <laughs> it on. Uh, I should do that as the image for this. Uh, uh, that'll be the podcast images. I'll Photoshop. Yes. I'll Photoshop horror legend Clive Barker with Jerry Yes. Kill. There we go. <laughs> I'm loving this. Oh. Uh, um, so. The concept of this game is very cool, which is essentially, like, to give the blender pitch, it's Rainbow, it's like Hellboy meets Rainbow Six, mm. as in, there is a squad of initially seven, which then becomes six, like, soldiers that all have, like, supernatural powers, and it's, like, the way that, like, the tone is handled is quite neat, because they're all very tortured in regards to, like, how they're how they kind of came by their abilities and kind of how they've been ostracized and they've been put in this situation as well as is kind of like summed up in the beginning of the game where this game has an odd beginning which i guess we'll get into but like oh yeah (laughs) the the leader of the jericho crew essentially says is that like you know they can call us a cult agents but like they just see us as witches with guns and where they would have burnt us back in the Middle Ages, now they have to work with us. And it's like, okay, I I like the concept of this. It's essentially, it's like people who don't really get on, like either with the people that they work for or kind of with themselves, 
being forced into a situation where like, you know, they have to be a squad and they have to do a thing. And it's like, really cool idea, like this a lot. And then you play the game and it's like, <laughs> it doesn't, doesn't quite land as much it's as not, you would like it to. It's not generic though. I think that's, that's something I was impressed by. Yes. Um, I don't know why I was expecting it, but when I went into this game, um, I was just expecting the most milk toast uh, first person shooter. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe with some like, I don't know, zombie type enemies and they, you know. Uh, so I wasn't expecting any of the more interesting gameplay stuff, at least. No. Um, and story stuff, you know, that, that's informed by Clive Barker more yeah. so than the developers. Yes. Um, which, speaking of the developers, so the reason that, Ben, you're on this episode is... Th- so this is... So this... So Clive Barker's name is on this game, and he contributed to, like, the writing of it and, like, the... Um, like styling the world and stuff like that, but uh, and publish and the people who published it were Codemasters, who we haven't really covered a ton of yet on the podcast, but they're kind of like the the patron saints of kind of bargain bin FPS games, where nothing they published was like enormously successful or memorable. But it was okay. No, nothing that they put out was like that <laughs> bad. It, everything was fine that they did. Um, but the people who developed this game was Mercury Steam, and this was their second game. And mm-hmm. you would think, oh well, you know, it's an interesting showing from like a deve- like from a relatively early developer. But you wouldn't imagine they would go on to do like a ton of amazing things. But and they didn't. Mm. <laughs> in, in your opinion, I would suppose. Um, so, Pim, I was—I ex- think we were chatting about this a little bit, like after yeah. you had played it and talking about the episode. But so, Mercury Steam are—they uh, <laughs> had the team that Konami had hired <laughs> to reboot the Castlevania franchise with Lords of Shadow, like back in the late two thousands. <laughs> and it, and I wanted I sort of wonder whether this was the game that kind of like i don't know caught konami's attention <laughs> which Maybe. is weird to I mean, think about i mean considering the, the the like the horror aspect of it i mean obviously yeah. castlevania doesn't really go quite that far into the realm of body horror and stuff but i mean maybe maybe yeah. they saw some kind of like oh yeah well these people have worked with, within like horror-esque territory before so maybe this could be a good fit for for castlevania but yeah uh, probably cheap uh and that probably that too (laughs) yeah probably that (laughs) as well i mean but you've played lords of shadow i don't know if you played it more recently than i did the the designs in that game lean a lot more quote realistic and slightly more body horror than like traditional because i think like the big inspiration for lords of shadow which so Mercury Steamer, a Spanish developer, and though originally I thought they were in contact with Gomeo del Toro before that project, that never actually quite was the case. It was more that when they were working on Castlevania, Lords of Shadow, they had taken a ton of inspiration from his work. Oh, okay. But you can sort of see, yeah, like the kind of crossover between like, there's a lot of like quite, fantastical designs in Jericho 
but they do lean way more on kind of like the Hellraiser style kind of like pain and sort of fetish elements than anything. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> oh, for sure. Yeah. There's there's a lot of um of the visual inspiration in in uh, uh from Hellraiser in in Clyburkers Jericho for sure and and also just the uh, uh the area in the game which is inspired sort of by the uh I guess it's the Roman era. Oh uh, yeah. Where, yeah. Whereas this I, like really the, the end boss of that area is this like really bloated man who has been stuck in in the box also Hellraiser term that's mm. been used. A lot in that franchise, uh, but it means something else here. Uh, but he's been stuck in the box for like centuries and been uh, been like feasting cannibalistically on on fellow prisoners, basically. Yeah. Uh, and and when when the Jericho Squad tries to to take him down, he is like like why would why would anyone want to leave this place? Like this is literally heaven. Like we can yeah. we can <laughs> eat sleep and fuck as much as we like, he literally says <laughs> yeah. the word fuck also he's like we can fuck as much as we want like this is this is literally paradise so it's so it's still that that um uh that view of, of pain and pleasure uh is also very much present in yeah in jericho at least in that particular uh chapter of the game oh totally it's uh, it's weird to me that they made this game because yes in, in some ways it's it's a lot more ambitious than every other game they've made. So, um, so yeah, they, so because 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 Castlevania: Lords of Shadow is just kind of like a God of War style game with some Castlevania names and if, characters. It feels a lot more Lords of the Rings than Castlevania to me. Yeah, the, yeah, no, I, I agree with that. Very, very kind of epic, old, old European style fantasy. Yeah, and lots then, of goblins and uh, orcs and stuff. And I'm like, well, I don't I don't remember these enemies or no. And uh, it's, be- it's because of that that Nintendo were like, oh, you know how to make Castlevania games. Would you like to make Metroid games? And this is, so I don't they understand. Were the de- it, uh. They became the developers responsible for Samus Returns and Metroid Dread, which is, again, to go back to what you said, um, Clyde Barker's Jericho is a way more kind of ambitious and certainly visually, like, I mean, Dread is a good-looking game, but it but there's nothing in Metroid Dread which like reaches the levels of I've never seen this before that like Jericho taps into. Yeah, in 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 ways, I think Metroid Dread is compared to Samus Returns a uh, a better-looking game. Uh, yes, in it like one of my biggest issues with Samus Returns and the the same extends to all of their games. Well, not all of them, uh, more so Lords of Shadow. They do not know how to make an interesting environment. They make the most bland, uh, just boring levels Corridors. you've ever seen. The mo- yeah, they're generic, uh, and they just don't have anything going on. They are, they they'll have an idea and they'll repeat it over and over and over until the end of the game. Um, mm. That's and I think it seems like Jericho also suffers from that because I I very early on I got the idea that okay we're gonna be fighting the same enemies over and over in hordes and hordes and hordes through yes. every room yes. just like Castlevania. <laughs> that is very true. Uh <laughs> for sure. Uh, the only way that it they kind of switch it up is because uh they they gradually introduce new 
abilities yes, to at yeah. least some of the, uh, the the squad mates that you have. Funny thing is, though, most of the time, these new skills are only introduced sort of when they are needed. It's not, yeah. there's not like a, a, a natural way of it happening. It's just like, oh, uh, you have to... Um, I'm trying to think of the exact example. There's like one part in the uh, World War II uh, era because like the the way the box is built, it's 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 literally uh, it takes actual people and locations yeah. from various eras, and then they are trapped within the box. So the the Jericho Squad goes through all these different eras that are literally been like transported to this. I- that is very cool. Uh, one place, which is yeah. really cool, yeah. Yeah. Uh, but th- but there is this part in in the um, in the World War Two chapter where uh, th- the squad just yells at you like, "Oh, you have to uh, fucking uh, shoot the explodey barrel thing with your oh, sniper slow yeah. bullet," <laughs> yeah. and then suddenly you, you just unlock the ability to like steer your sniper bullet. Uh, and it's like the only time in the game where where this like kind of upgrade comes naturally. It's in the literal worst way possible uh, because they end up. Uh, I think this is still in the uh, the Roman type chapter. Yeah, or it's maybe before that where uh, the the squad is separated, and when you meet up again, one of your squad mates is like literally traumatized. She is traumatized to the point that she she doesn't function. Like she she doesn't want to talk to anyone. She's just scared out of her brains, uh, and that makes her unlock a new ability. <laughs> like oh, her trauma wow. gave me superpowers. It's like uh, uh, no, this is this is not the game to try to make something like to make a statement about that. No, dear God, don't do this. It is. But they did it. It is awkward how like. The Clive Barkeriness of this does like clash with the inherent gaminess of this because Ben, you, you said something earlier which was just kind of like, I'm not really sure why they made this. And in my head, I was like, So this game came out in <laughs> this game came out in 2007. So this is wow, like really? a, the a couple of I think around the same time as like Halo 3 and eventually <laughs> Modern Warfare and stuff like that. All very conventional FPS games that you think of them and you go, yeah, you're a guy in space and there's aliens or, ah, it's Modern Warfare, I get it. And then, like, I'm just imagining somebody renting this game where it's, like, you have a squad member who, in order to cast magic, commits, like... Well, I'm, I'm, tr- I'm trying to I'm trying to think of the way to word that, but it's like essentially performs like a graphic act on screen, and it's like, oh, okay, what what the hell is this? And then you meet a boss in the World War Two level who is essentially like a Nazi Cenobite, and it's like this is this this is interesting. But then you play the game, and it's just like. The weakest feeling guns. The, 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 it's all very kind of like enemy corridory or like stand still and defend this spot for a few seconds. Or it's very, and I wonder whether this is how like they ended up on Castlevania and Metroid because the way that their squad abilities work is very lock and key, as yeah. in like oh use this thing at this time. But as Pim yeah. said, it is very it's incredibly unnatural. Like the one that pops into my head was like really early on, 
and it's the character that can astral like like projects essentially <laughs> yes yeah. and they're just like we can't get past this door wait the the there's a little guy in there use your special ability to contact the little guy to flip a switch and it's like really <laughs> there's even a part later on where <laughs> it's like a fucking conga line of people you have to transport your mind through so it's oh, like God. oh so there's a this like there's like winding corridors and you have to like astral project to one person and then you have to astral project to the next one as they can be seen at uh-huh. the end of the corridor and then you have to go through that person to the next one and then you flip a switch so it's like they, they take that concept and then they drag it out even more <laughs> later on because it's funny because like yeah you describe that and it's like oh that's actually quite an intro like you know it makes you think of like sonic adventure something where you like you ping from one enemy to the next, create like a little bridge or something. But you you play it in this, and it's just like, oh, this is excruciating. Yeah, yeah. it's it's not elegant. It's no. the problem. It's just like you have to hold a bunch like too many buttons for it to feel oh, like God. comfortable, I- and you have to wait a, a, quite a while. And it's just mm. and again, it's it uh, the the main problem is that all these characters have these various abilities that should be interesting yes. to use. The problem is that uh, they never, like, give you an excuse to experiment with these. No! Uh, because, like, in the end, you're just gonna pick, like, the character that you feel the most comfortable with and then stick to that one to, to like, the end. Except if they maybe... Uh, if there's like, for example, there are these flying enemies where yes. uh, you could perhaps use the guy who has this like flaming dragon that he shoots out, mm-hmm. uh, which is like very good against flying type enemies. But like overall, you're going to stick to the ones that you prefer. Uh, and that's it, because there is no need to experiment because the only time you actually have to, uh, well, that's the thing. Sometimes you have to do it because the game just arbitrarily tells you that this ability it has to be used to do this thing. This is a uh, puzzle. <laughs> but we're telling yeah. you what the solution is. But it's a yeah, puzzle. It, exactly. Uh so it's a uh, it's such a damn shame because and I'm I'm just like throwing out my hot take uh, sure. right now about this game. So so obviously I I'm, I'm thinking that uh the one of the reasons this game exists is like because of uh games like Fear which came out like yes. was it what is it like 3 or 2 years earlier. Yeah, 2005, uh, so yeah, like, like a couple of years earlier. God. Yeah. yeah. And, and and obviously like the the squad based aspect might be uh Rainbow a Six. result of of Rainbow Six, yeah, for sure. Uh so so like the there are uh, very clear intentions to to be more of an action based uh, horror game, obviously, but it's it's just so obvious how like to me at least it's so obvious how this ga- entire game could have been fixed with just one. I won't say minor change because a lot would have gone into it, but sure. but still, uh, like conceptually, it's such a simple change. Where okay, if we want to make this game like an actual horror game, just like switch out the fact that like at the beginning of the game uh the the first big twist is that mm. uh, as we said before uh one of the squad mates uh like there are seven from from the start and then there are six because one of them the 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 head guy Ross Steve, Steve Blum 
Steve Bloom, <laughs> yes, uh, he dies, uh, but he comes back as a as a gameplay mechanic. <laughs> yes, he does. He, um, come, he, com- he comes back as driver San Francisco, where you can <laughs> yeah, hop yes. in, in between your different squad members. Exactly, and and in in that whole uh, thing, the the whole like squad based mechanic comes in, uh, and and that's how you are able to utilize all of the various uh, abilities. Here's what should have happened. Mm-hmm. Everyone else dies except Ross. Oh. And then okay. gradually, as the game goes along, you end up like saving the souls of your squad mates or whatever, and ah. you gain their abilities one oh. by one, which also gives you a more natural way of learning these new abilities. And also, uh, most importantly, uh, creates this uh, this typical Resident Evil uh, key, dynamic yeah. where where yeah. where you uh, you start off as being basically defenseless, but then gradually as the game goes along, like Resident Evil Four is the best example of this, I think. Yeah. Gradually as you go along, you will be mowing down enemies with ease. You'll have so much ammo, so many weapons. You might even have a rocket launcher, and obviously the game always ends with a rocket launcher. Of course. Uh, like, in a similar way, you would play this game and you would be weak at first, have basically no abilities, but then gradually you go from being hunted to being the hunter, and then it ends in an explosive climax. God, yeah. So fucking good. Does <laughs> that d- sound to me, at least? No, I... Uh, I but I, they I, just did the opposite of that, and then it fell completely flat. I like... No. I like the idea a lot. I think it's... It's cool that you can have a squad and mm. just be able to switch with them on the fly. A sort of, that you can think of, you know, you start, your mind starts to go in different directions about, okay, how could I use this in, uh, like if you were making a game like this, you'd be thinking, okay, how do I make interesting puzzles out of this? Interesting yeah. gameplay dynamics. Maybe they can combo off each other or some somehow. Um, but in practice, it's so messy. You get, yes. you get introduced to all six characters almost back to back. Mm-hmm. Um, you have to remember their names if you want to remember which abilities do what. Mm-hmm. Um, you have access to about God, each of them has uh, a primary weapon, and then usually a like a shoulder button. Mm-hmm. Both their shoulder buttons do something. Also, you can change their the way their ammo works. Um, one guy mm-hmm. has two different guns that you could attach um, different types of ammo to and shoot them simultaneously. Uh, and it's it's so much and. <laughs> it doesn't feel like there's enough to shoot at the beginning to no. kind of even i don't know i just don't get i think they had a lot of ideas and they they were like okay we need to get all this in and uh they did uh and it just i don't i don't really have do you think it's fine do you think anything. it's one of those things where it's like you know when you buy like chewing gum which has a flavor in it and it's there for like the first few chews, but then like then you're just stuck with flavorless gum for the like they get all the best stuff out, like right but I say all the best stuff out, but like those initial few levels before you go into the box are like they they they, they like like if you if you were like really cynical and you imagine like a Call of Duty game in your head, that's what it would look like where it's just completely brown and grey. Yes. bombed out ruins with mm-hmm. like barely anything in them which again it's a shame because once you then go into the box it does start to get a little it like all the environment stuff just gets way more interesting because yeah you're kind of like 
physic you're like literally time traveling as you are working your way through these different strasses to try and get into the middle of it to try and well essentially do the mission which is um so i think i understood the plot of this game which is essentially uh so millions of years ago there was a creature called the firstborn which was like uh, God needed a project, and that was like that was the prototype. God was like, I'm "Not a fan of this, though. I'm gonna work <laughs> on something else." But can I can I de- can I describe to you the way uh, the game describes this? Yeah, go ahead. <laughs> okay, so this this felt very interesting to me because the the game like spoon feeds you. Uh, some lore bits in between, yeah. like loading screens. <laughs> uh, that's basically how how the lore is is uh, conveyed most of the time. So this is like during one of the first loading screens, it says this uh, uh, in regards to the firstborn: neither male nor female, dark nor light, a singular being that was both beautiful and terrible to behold. Disturbed by the power of his creation, God left it unfinished, banishing the firstborn from reality to the abyss forsaken and unloved. In its place, guard started fresh, the slate wiped clean. He divided his next creation into two sexes, gave it intellect, reason, emotion. He gave it the gift of love. He gave it a soul. So the implication here is that the firstborn is non-binary and God said, fuck that, I'm gonna make two sexes. <laughs> yeah, God Which had been I'm wa- not a fan of. <laughs> no, God had, been wa- God had been watching a lot of Fox News in heaven. It was just like, <laughs> God, had been, God had been on Facebook. To, God had been radicalized by Facebook. No, he was, bra- <laughs> he was browsing tro- Truth Social at this point. <laughs> oh no. He was just like, I need a Twitter alternative. I need something to hop on to. I'm gonna <laughs> Oh no. Uh, um yeah. <laughs> it, yeah, genuinely quite fucked up to think about just being like what 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 was the idea there, Clive Barker? What are you trying to say? But uh, I have to say though that like there's there's a lot of of uh, uh, writing related stuff in this game that I feel like either it's from Clive Barker himself, mm. uh, either it's from the the other writers or or maybe it's just like hey, it was it was the time. Yeah. Uh, because there, there are other, like, writing-related decisions where it's just like, oh, you can just fucking tell this was the early 2000s. Oh, hundred. Wow. Good, good example is just, like, one of the female characters, which was totally written by a woman, I, I definitely. Oh, 10,000%, uh, yeah. Uh, because she she just says to one of, like, the, the, the demons or whatever that she has killed, uh, you just got your ass kicked by a girl. Oh, yeah, that one. <laughs> that one did make my... Raise my eyebrow. Um, I don't like. I don't think this game's uh, dialogue is well written or at all, and definitely not well performed either. For the most part, there's a so, the, Steve, sort of Call of Duty guys. Steve Bloom, I think, does Steve. He does Steve Bloom. They they basically just said do the voice, and he was like, okay. Um, the only character who I remember is. Um, so I actually, I was debating whether to do a quiz, which was, I was going to read out character names and I was going to see if you could remember kind of who they were and what like their character abilities were. But like, <laughs> oh, yeah, I have a thing about that too. It's, uh, okay. Let's, okay. Let's quickly do this. All right. Okay. Let's, we're going to do a quiz. Both of you, we don't have buzzers, but, um, I guess just say if you remember who this character is and what their thing was. So. First character, Abby Black. Oh, wow. 
she's the sniper. Is, yeah. Uh, what um, was that? She's the sniper. Uh, no, there is a sniper. No. There is a lady sniper character in there, but oh, is that, um, is that church. That- oh, I- Wait, is it, yeah, is, is it church? No, it's not church. I swear Black's a sniper. Am I? No, so I'll I'll give you, so Simone is the sniper. And right. I'll give you, what I'll say about that is, is that she's the only member of Jericho who doesn't actually have magical powers. But she does have a sniper. And the explanation is, is that she's so good at technology that she just slows down time when she uses her sniper. I thought that, I thought, no, Cole was the one. That slows down time, but doesn't have a snipe. James, are you? I don't. I, I, oh wait, no, well, sorry. So no, wait, 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 no, wait, 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 wait. I, fu- I fucked yeah. up. I fucked up. I fucked up. Cole has an assault rifle. Yeah, sorry. Abby yes. does have okay. a sniper. Oh, <laughs> whoops! I was like, how much pay- <laughs> attention was I paying during the game? But what is her code? What's what's her code name then? Is Abby her code name? Uh, black. black, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, I figured. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Uh, that um, Abby, yeah, is the one with the sniper. Um, she's the telekinetic lady. Her special ability is, is whenever you get to rocks, she just pushes <laughs> them away. Yep, that's right. Ah, she great! Has, pu- she has force push. Yeah, really she helpful. does. She has. The, she has the force push power. <laughs> uh, okay, Xavier Jones. Uh. Is is he? It's either the the fire dragon guy or or it's the guy who has the slow down he, time ability. I no, I think I think that's the um the the body hopper, isn't it? Yep, yeah, that's so Xavier is the astral projection guy. Yeah. Um. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. That's right. The uh the fire guy is uh Frank uh, uh Delgado. Delgado. Yes. Oh yeah. I hate that. Um, I've I've only played it a little bit. I don't know why I know all their names already. It's because you really enjoyed this. I guess because yes, all these characters have really like stuck with you. I think, and yeah, that's why you were pushing against Pim's idea of like, why didn't they just give Devin all these character powers? And you're just like, no, the characters need to stay. They're the most appealing parts. Of I this. love Cole. I don't remember her first name, but she's great. Love her. Uh, Simone. That's uh, that's her name. Um, Simone. Billy Church. Oh yeah. Okay. So here's the thing. Okay. About Billy search. fucking Church. Okay, so uh, I I know who this character is. It's 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 the person who does blood magic. Correct. Uh, and and the only reason I know this is because at some point I think it was during the uh, like the final yeah it's it's by the end of the World War Two chapter mm-hmm. at some point uh the, the the whole squad like starts calling out like billy we need you over here uh we need to do something and i'm like who the fuck is billy <laughs> oh when they like, start I'm, using I'm, I'm their j- first names i it was messing me up i <laughs> yeah because they keep doing that like i'm checking the 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 squad wheel like because there's <laughs> two of them because there's just that many people yeah I, I check i check both of them like there's no one called fucking billy here who the hell is this <laughs> and then finally someone says like we need your blood magic and i'm like oh okay oh. so it's church all right and then i just climb up a ladder and then i i perform some blood magic on on the uh, aforementioned uh Nazi, Nazi uh, uh, woman, Cenobite bondage woman, and and then the 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 woman calls her Wilhelmina. Yep, and then <laughs> she says, "Only my dad calls me Wilhelmina. My name is <laughs> Billy." And I'm like, "Or maybe it's Church. I don't fucking know anymore." <laughs> 
Yeah, Please. very weird that in this military squad shooter they don't refer to themselves by their surnames, which is what's on the on the fucking selector. Yes, I don't get it. It's so confusing, and, and like it's it's not just Billy they do this with, or no. Church. Like they do it with the other ones as well. But this was just the the most like the this example that stuck out to me because I was just staring at like a huge wall that I couldn't cross. And I was like, "What the fuck am I supposed to do? Is, is, like, am I supposed to go back, or what, what am I supposed to do?" Mm. And then eventually, we need your blood magic. Oh, oh it was horrible. Blood magic. That's who it is. Um, the last character though, and this is the only character that I remember because it's like such a weirdly broad stereotype, Paul Rawlings. <laughs> yeah. yeah. The priest with two fucking silver ballers, like he's Hitman and he speaks with just the thickest shit kicking Texas accent going. Big fan, big fan of when he's, uh, he got accused of going out drinking and said, I thought you were supposed to be a priest and he said, well, I am human. I'm like, well, that's that's cool, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> it's really stuck with me. I just like the idea of you talking to your television and just putting him down. It's just like, wow, cool, Paul. Thanks, Vince. I took a swig of whiskey and I was like, yeah, he's right. <laughs> um, but he feels like, because everyone else is quite... I don't know, they're not very stereotypy. Like, even Frank uh, Delgado, who you would think that they would lean on, like, I don't know, like, Latin American stereotype stuff, they, there's actually quite a respectful, like, portrayal of that. But Paul Rawlings is this, she's just like, hey, I'm a man of the cloth, don't, I, I'm going around, I'm going to shoot all these guys. Which, unfortunately, made him the most memorable to me. So yeah, I would actually kind of argue the opposite in in the way that like they are stereotypes, but but they are stereotypes, and I I think Noah no I know that Noah Gervais pointed this out in yes. his uh, video uh, about uh, Clyde Barker's Jericho and Undying, uh, where he he pointed out that like the their character traits are based on the weapons they wield. Uh-huh. Yeah, so so that. like the the one using a katana or like blade type weapon well she is the ninja the japanese women woman yeah. stereotype yeah and then we have uh like the dual pistols thing it's kind of a cowboy thing so give it to fucking yeah the aforementioned priest cowboy and priest. and uh, delgado is really hot-headed uh so he gets the huge minigun mm-hmm. uh so it's like there there are stereotypes here but they're more stereotypes in the way that like you would expect uh someone with a particular weapon to act you know yeah like i was when i thought of delgado yeah it did make me think a little bit of like Barrett from um, FF7, mm-hmm. including the fact that his arm is a mini gun. Yeah, <laughs> there, there is a very, very funny moment where him and Rollins get into an argument. I can't actually remember what they're arguing about. Just something. Um, but he just says, he can't, oh, he's like, uh, Delgado doesn't want to be on the mission anymore. He wants to go home or, some, or something like that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and he's, he's sort of like, okay, and I'll kill you if you if you don't let me. And he's like, okay, do it. Oh, yeah. And then he just shoots him and kills him. <laughs> oh, is that when they introduce how to heal? Yeah, they just <laughs> yeah pick, that's, you just pick him back up. Tutorial. And that's um, that's also just such a weird thing that they they decide to introduce healing then because you've been healing your squad mates for like yeah. an hour before oh, that. Oh, God, because yeah. Let's not forget this part, that this is a squad shooter, but 
it should be called like I don't know a nurse simulator or something because the only thing that your squad will be doing it's it sure as hell isn't shooting enemies it's being killed by them Uh so you'll just have to go around and and resurrect them over and over and over and over again Uh, you're a babysitter basically it's a babysitter first person shooter it's a play spinning simulator because I was thinking of (laughs) this Ben when you were talking about like leaning more into the tactical stuff and I was like if this game was like XCOM and like you had individual control over everybody, but it was turn based, that would work. But like, yes, to try and make the squad stuff work in this, well, they didn't have Ubisoft; they had Codemasters money to do this, unfortunately. <laughs> and so, rather than everybody being super competent, it is it is maybe the worst squad AI I have seen in an FPS game so far. It's not time. great. It, it does contribute to some comedy gold, though. Oh, uh, yeah. Th- there was this part. Uh, I'm going through my notes here, and I'm trying to see if I can find the, the specific part. Uh, uh, where is it? Come on. Oh, yeah. Okay, so so uh, at some point, because there's there are these enemies that blow up. Uh-huh. Uh, oh, and there, oh. sadly, there is a lot of them, and you can only kill them by like shooting them at specific spots on their it's body. Hard to if do you... when the game's really laggy. Yes. Yeah. Not to mention the fact that if you miss, it's not like they like it pushes them backwards. It actually pushes them forward, so it punishes <laughs> you for missing uh, your shots. So so it's very easy to get your whole squad killed by these. So, uh, so uh, yeah, the the uh, the blood magic character uh, Church, she yep. she kills one of these blow up uh, enemies, and she then deliberately walks up to the corpse as it blows <laughs> up. She goes down. I resurrect her, and the first thing she says is, "Where am I?" <laughs> <laughs> what day is it? <laughs> Who yeah, I? it's just it's just so fitting. Like, she, yeah, the the dialogue actually fits with the intelligence of the AI. I I, I appreciate that. It's, it's so weird because when someone describes the game to you, it it can sound cool, but in, yeah. in practice, it's such a cacophony of nonsense. You're <laughs> you've got six like five other people you can switch to, and you're going to be switching a lot. And they're also going to be dying all the time. They're going to be yep. shouting stuff at you, like, oh, I've, I'm down, I'm down. And then you're going to run over, you're going to resurrect them, and then <laughs> two other people have just died right behind you. Yep. <laughs> so you're going to run over and resurrect them as well. Um, I would say this: the reason I like Cole so much is because she can because she could slow down time. Yep. She could just run around and revive everyone while, <laughs> the, um, mm-hmm. while time slowed down, uh, which I like to do because it happens quite often that everyone's just fallen over. Yep. It is bizarre because, yeah, like what you just said, and I think it is like so emblematic of this game, which is that, I mean, I, I couldn't finish it. Like I tried as hard as I could to stick with the game. Like I, that's why I'm so shocked. Like Pim, when you were like, yeah, I finished it in an evening. And I was like, really? And it's like, yeah, it's only five hours long. It's like, I feel like I've been on this level for weeks. It just <laughs> never like it. That's it what feel, the box does. To that's you. what I mean. It feels like I'm trapped inside of the box of wow, the game where time has slowed down, and I'm like being consumed from within because it's like I don't know. It all the ideas are co- like again, like the, the the writing of the squad is awkward, and like some of the decisions that they went with, you know, shitty. But those are things that could be. But like. Jericho could be like a cool comic book. I mean, essentially, they're just like I said, they're like the the BPD in Hellboy. Essentially, they're like a cult 
soldiers and it's like oh neat idea and you could put them into all sorts of different situations and then you know the game essentially being like this is their biggest mission yet they're going to fight the firstborn on their territory which is this box made of all these different like hell layers taken from like the worst points in human history you go yeah cool idea oh and it's a squad based shooter and i have like six individual characters that could be cool in their own fps game but i get to switch between all of them how neat but then just in execution it it just doesn't it can't pull it off honestly yeah. they're not they're not executors they no i don't and, even know what they are i and i didn't know what they were until dread which is i think is their only good game that i've played sure i it's funny because yeah i, I do wonder whether it's a case of because obviously with Castlevania, Kojima was the producer on it, and mm-hmm. so probably weighed in a lot and was like, so I've been at Konami for uh, 25 years, and in that time, I figured out how to make a good video game. Let me tell you the <laughs> tricks of how to make a good video game. And then when they went position. <laughs> yeah, and then they went to Nintendo, and Miyamoto was like, so I've been at Nintendo for nearly 40 years, and in that time, I've learned how to make a good video game. <laughs> Let me teach you the tricks for that. I, I'm going to... Just for the sake of the listeners who might be as just as pedantic pedantic as my, I am, he should be referring to Sakamoto. I know. Oh, I know. sorry. Yes, Miyamoto okay. didn't have any. Inf- he, yes, didn't, no. he didn't do it. No, he's been too Sakamoto. busy on the Mario movie. That's and, and the um and the theme park. Yeah, he was busy designing Nintendo Land. He was like, yeah, that's where the that's where the kiosk should be. That's where the toilet <laughs> should be. <laughs> love this. He love personally. That. Yeah, please the toilets. Yeah, he's the toilet guy at, at Nintendo. He hand placed every single. And <laughs> he you know built what? it like and, a Sims house. And he, and you know what? As well, the reason that it took so long is that it's like Super Mario sixty four. Where you know the story where that is that like they had Mario chasing a rabbit for a year until they got that right. Yeah, they only worked on the toilets for like three years <laughs> until they got this right. <laughs> Uh, I could see that, yeah, yeah. But I, but yeah, go, going back to to Jericho, sure, um, please. <laughs> <laughs> we need um, someone like you. I I I do think that like the the lore of this game should, to some extent, get some like some amount of praise. Yeah, the, it uh, is because, really neat. Yeah, because like sure, you you could say that it's very formulaic for being Clive Barker, because again, he he has played around with these ideas in a lot of his work. Uh, sure. He did he did something similar with with uh, the last game he was involved with, uh, Undying. Yes. But but that was a game that he came into later, whereas uh, Jericho was sort of his baby from the beginning, and he I guess he was approached or he approached uh, the developers, but. Mm. But like there is potential here, and and again the the world building, uh, just just the fact that okay, so something I don't think we mentioned is that like they obviously Jericho Squad comes to this place out in the desert, and they are supposed to to stop the firstborn and and close the breach that sort of like makes these worlds. Yeah, uh, it opens intersect. up every two hundred, four hundred years or so, mm-hmm. and. Yeah. They send a Jericho squad along to essentially plug it up, and that's what they've been doing for centuries at this point. Exactly, and 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 the interesting part of that is that uh, once you go through each of these levels, mm. uh, you start to realize that 
because you, you, you're told that, well, you're going to go through this and then you're going to close the breach and then you get to go back home. Yeah. But, but you realize as you go along that like, well, there are previous quote Jericho squads. <laughs> yeah. they, I, they obviously weren't called that. I don't think at least who are stuck here. What makes you think that you will be able to leave once you close the breach? Yeah. So it's this like constant feeling of of doom that just like perpetuates throughout like the entire experience. Like you're going deeper and deeper into hell, uh, and you have just you have no idea how you're gonna get out. Mm. Uh, and it does appear that you won't be able to get out and just like the implication of that, like all of these enemies that you see, like the the, the former Roman soldiers yep. who used to wear beautiful, like you know, beautiful armor and, and the spears and all of that. All, all that equipment is now like fused to their skin because yep. they've been stuck here for so long that they are they are one now. Mm. Like that is going to happen to you. And that implication is interesting as interesting as it is terrifying oh yeah uh, so so there's this there's so much here but then it's <sighs> uh just resolved in the most tone deaf way possible. video gamey way possible of yeah um i guess do we want to exp- i guess to spoil the game we would have to explain it a little bit which would just be the fact that Devin ross has a little friend's a little friend that occasionally appears during the game. And, um, okay, so to explain what happened with me then, because I was on my way to finishing it, but then something terrible happened, which was, so I'm playing the, so I was playing the PC version of it, and pros are playing the PC version. It runs at 60 frames per second. Pretty good. Um, cons are playing the PC version. Um, there's, like, no options in there for like changing screen size or anything oh, like gotcha. that so it was so i was essentially it, it looked like you know when you used to watch like windows media player like videos back <laughs> in the day and it was like a tiny 400 by 400 size box like that's as big as clive barker's jericho was so i was essentially playing it on like a game boy advance screen and i was like i can't use I can't see this. This is awful. So, are you saying you played it in a box? Oh my god, I was. I was actually inside. The, that was the real box all along. Was just how small everything was. So Thinking I had a look online. Do you reckon, do you reckon they, they were uh, like instead oh, of patching the game? Uh, they were like too busy with all their their probably Metroid stuff at the time. Well, no, and like, well, just remove it off Steam. Codemasters was like, yeah, sorry, we're um. We got too many racing games to publish. You, um, <laughs> yeah, just take it off Steam. That's easy. Or do you think Miyamoto, when he was designing the toilets for Mario Land, was like, <laughs> take it off, take it off Steam immediately? We don't want people looking at our new Metroid game and seeing that on Steam, just in case. <laughs> um, but I had a look online, and they were like, okay, you can, if you unlock cheats on the game, you can, um, uh, well, like, uh. It's like a console, like a little developer console, and you can do that through cheats, and that will help you like get better resolutions. Because I did that and then continued the game, it immediately put me in the final boss fight. <laughs> and I was like, what? Oh, okay. <laughs> so like I had just skipped hours of the game. And it turned out that the final boss of this game was Devin Ross's little friend, which I feel like I could have figured out anyways in regards to... Well, they keep talking about this thing called the Firstborn, 
And Devin Ross's friend is like this little baby man. Maybe that's him. <laughs> oh, sorry. Maybe that's them. I should actually say sorry about that. But um, yeah, Devin Ross's little pal was... Um, are, are they the final boss of the game? Am I correct in that or wrong in that? It's absolutely correct. Oh, uh, wow. Okay. And, and, uh, and I'm, I'm not entirely sure I would say it's a plot twist, because at, no. at least to me, I, I, I always felt like, like, clearly this has to be it, right? I yeah, mean, you said the firstborn, and I'm looking like, at it, someone that looks like they were just born. Yeah, um, exactly. Yeah. And not to mention the fact that their voice is is literally like uh, like two or oh, maybe two, even yeah, three male voice actors voice. talking yeah. at the same time or over each other and stuff. So it's like it's very clearly the the little the little uh, the little baby. <laughs> yeah, the the, 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 the wee baby. Um, yeah, and yeah, um, yeah. It's not really a plot twist as much as kind of like a a plot confirmation of. The little babby that right at the beginning says, please come to the desert and find me. Um, yeah, it turns out that was the person who lived in the desert was the firstborn. Ipso facto, it was the same person. Whoops. Oh my god. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the, the, the whole boss fight, obviously. Yeah, it, you I'm just, not sure. Are you just shooting? Is it, you're just constantly shooting it. Is that the final boss? I mean, yeah. It, it, wow. Well, it's, it's, it's the thing... If I remember this correctly, it's uh, so, so the boss will switch between various abilities oh, that, yeah. that that the squad has, <laughs> and then the game like outright tells you that like okay, you have to use the the same ability that the firstborn is using in in order to defeat it, and it's like oh okay, thank you, video game, uh, <laughs> and then it's over. But the the funny thing is that uh, right before the the battle starts. Mm-hmm. And we're really getting into spoiler story right here, but yeah. uh, two of the squad mates are just Dead. annihilated. <laughs> uh, like their limbs fly all over their place. Uh, and I'm assuming that this isn't just because they wanted a very dramatic moment at the very end. I think it's because they realize that they couldn't really get their abilities to work that well in the final <laughs> boss fight. So they just got rid of them at the end. <laughs> Yeah, Clyde uh, Barker came in and was just like, yeah, write him out. <laughs> yeah, this isn't gonna... like, can't fucking bother shooting this boss when it's forcing me to do slow-mo and I'm even slower than <laughs> I should be when I'm using slow-mo, so yeah, just get rid of these characters. So just get, get rid of the slow-mo one. Call yeah. Clive, like, you know, a week before the game came out, Clive, 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 we need to kill off these characters. You don't understand. <laughs> <laughs> Clive, I know you're the book guy, okay, but with the game people, let me tell you, this thing, it's just like, I've written you some more loading screens, and it's just like, we haven't got that many levels in the game, Clive. <laughs> Can we put it into a comic book, then? <laughs> we haven't got the money for that. They've spent all the money on the new Colin McRae game. We can't do that. <laughs> Oh, oh, God. oh dang it! Anyway. Well, back back to right, uh, books of blood seven more blood. That's my <laughs> that's my next project. I love the subtitle more blood. Yeah, <laughs> books of blood seven even more blood. Uh, uh, yeah, the, 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 that, the ending is, is very. Uh, sorry, what, what was that then? Oh no, uh, I was like, I think I said Clive Jericho. <laughs> Clive Jericho, yeah, Clive Jericho's Barker. Yeah, that's the game we're talking <laughs> No, I was wondering if there was any more that is being said. Pim, it sounded like you were going to say something, though. Yeah, Pim, sorry. 
Yeah, specifically about the ending, because obviously you, uh, it is implied at least that the firstborn is killed. Mm. Uh, and then the, the cave you're in collapses and you go through like this water part. <laughs> so the like ending under, is Underground full. water tunnel. Yeah. Oh, and then you yeah. come out on the other side and it's, it's just a, an endless sea. And the, the credits roll. Oh. So this? this this was intended to be the first game in a series, and the <laughs> oh, the, no. the ending was left like deliberately very ambiguous, and obviously we never got an answer to what the fuck happened. <laughs> oh well, just as soon as they're done with all the Metro games and Castlevania games, I'm sure they'll go back to Clive Barker. That's it's a, new it's one. about time. I mean, they're remaking all of the horror game classics anyway, so eventually they're going to so, run out of classics and go back to Clive Barker's Jericho. They, so their most recent game is a remastered version of Scrapland, which is their first game. So yeah. maybe Jericho could be on the... I mean, I don't know. Maybe EA owns Codemasters now. You know, they may be thinking, well, you know, Battlefield, eh, Battlefront, there's no new Star Wars game. Mm-hmm. Mm, but Clive Barker's Jericho, that could be, you know, we've done hot, we've done mi- modern military, we've done sci-fi. Maybe horror is the one thing that nobody's tapped into yet. Jericho 2 with DLC and, um, uh, what do they call him? Like, bat- yeah, Jericho 2 with a battle pass. That could be yeah. the, that could be the net. You you unlock new scares as um you know we but did you see that by the way with um I'm I'm massively dating this episode but they announced that the Callisto Protocol the um the Dead Space like game oh, being no, made no. by Glenn Schofield has a season pass oh. and you unlock new death animations <laughs> with the season pass. Yeah, oh, I think it's 13 in total, and oh. like half of them are related to the main character, and the rest are related to the enemies. Oh, and it's God. so funny because Schofield came out and said that, well, we're not really like hiding it behind a paywall because uh, like we're not taking content from the main like main. This is new game. content. And, and yeah. yeah, it's it's new content that we haven't even finished yet, and it's like. But at some point, like way back, you must have decided to do this. Yeah. So it's it's still kind of, I mean, shouldn't it still kind of count as you deliberately like putting content aside in order to be able to sell it separately? And also just the fact that like, sure, other things are included in this sure. uh, season pass as well. Like, sure enough, you're not just buying the, the, uh, the death animations, just like them only for $20. It's... It's more than that, but still, I I feel like it's sort of like a uh, a misinterpretation of what, what what Dead Space is all about, yeah. and like what the strings of Dead Space are. Like it's it's not about the death animations; it's what happens in between the death animations. Well, that's what I was wondering because, like, how many of these are tied to like specific things? Because like, like, what if, like, an enemy, like, sticks their, like, big tentacle or a big knife, like, through this guy's chest? Does it just play a different animation if, like, that one hasn't been implemented I, yet? I, I, was I, wondering, I was wondering because it's, like, they're adding 13. Like, how many are in the base game? And is it going to be, like, Crash Bandicoot 1 where there's, like, only one death animation, which is it cuts to black screen and he spins around and he falls <laughs> over? Is that going to be the death animation in the Callisto <laughs> Protocol? Yes. <laughs> I'm just... Maybe this is 
too too obscure. But I don't know if you've if you've seen this edit of uh, the fight scene w- between Neo and Agent Smith. Oh, where he keeps Matrix poking his neck. <laughs> yeah, yeah where, he, where he pokes his neck with his uh, like stretched out hand. I'm just imagining like regardless of of how <laughs> the main character is actually killed, <laughs> that's the death animation. Uh, <laughs> it's the same death animation of him just getting like squashed underneath like a power press but it's just like yeah. you watch you watch you watch like a big like dead space one or two where the big tentacle pulls isaac out into space but he gets to the end of it and it just immediately cuts to him getting squashed underneath the press <laughs> <laughs> yes exactly God. like regardless of context that's the way he dies oh maybe that's maybe gonna be the callisto to protocol it'll cut to a paywall and uh, if you press oh, no God. on the paywall, it just fades to black and they respawns. But, Ooh, <laughs> you know, if you, if you access it... I mean, speaking of things that just end up on screen abruptly, I have to point this out about about uh, uh, Clive Barker's Jericho as Please well. Please do. Uh, just the fact that another thing that dates this game so much is the fact that it has quick time events. Oh, but but yeah. not just like not any quick time events. Like these ones... You don't even get a notification, like or Damn. like a visual that they're about Brutal. to show up. They just do. <laughs> the first one in the game is just, it's literally just a cutscene, and then suddenly like five buttons show up on screen, and you're like, "What the fuck? <laughs> Am I supposed to react to this?" And then you're instantly dead. So, uh, but I, I was luckily sure if um. I was playing on hard. Is it? I don't know which difficulty. Oh yeah, no, on, on easy the, 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 the quick time events are still stupid in that as well. Okay, good, yeah. good. I didn't know if it was just that because they were ridiculous. Well, yeah, they are in, on easy as well, and I, I have to say this as well. Uh, I, I think I chose to play it on the normal difficulty, or maybe even hard at first. Hmm. Uh, but the, when I realized that the squad mates, like their only goal, like their their goal <laughs> in life, is to just lay down and ask for uh, healing, uh, I just decided no, I'm, I just want to get through this. So I yep. picked the easy difficulty level. Maybe that also contributed to the fact that uh, I was able to play it in just one setting. But yeah, yeah, don't be ashamed to play. Like if if yeah. you dear listeners are are considering playing this game, like don't be ashamed about playing it on the easiest difficulty. I mean, obviously you shouldn't be ashamed of it, regardless of what the game sure. is. But but yeah, just don't bother. Don't. You have nothing to prove to anyone by being able to play through Clive Barker's Jericho on the hardest <laughs> difficulty level. Well, I don't know. Think about the bragging rights. I mean, uh, I'm gonna ask. Yeah. I'm gonna ask this, Ben. Do you think that you got a more like fulfilling experience out of the game out of it being on hard? Oh, hundred percent. I mean, it was just <laughs> I, I really enjoyed running around and picking up all my dead friends. Um, that was <laughs> yeah. personally my favorite part of the game. So that's what the that's more what I got so to see of that. Squads. Yeah, there we yeah. go. More I got to see of that, I was like, "Yeah, this is great." Gosh, is that is that Jericho? Then are we? I think so. I mean, I want to this not because we did spoil a lot of it. But I guess <laughs> if you who do who do I who do we even recommend this game? Huh? I guess if you're a Clive Barker complete pleasionist, if a Clive, if, if you're like a an Xbox 360 era FPS games, but the ones that nobody remember. If you're like a bullet time listener, <laughs> you really want to play these games. Uh, maybe I don't know. If you're um, if if you're a Mercury Steam completionist, I mean, mm-hmm. I guess it's you can sort of see the beginnings of like them figuring out their art style stuff which would eventually get developed in castlevania and i guess you could argue 
that each squad member being kind of lock and key is sort of Metroid-y. Again, Pim's suggestion of making Devon like giving him all giving him all the ghost powers, like that would be like Super Metroid, but that I would also feel cool in regards to Yeah, you're not constantly like hopping from one body to the other. It's a lot smoothly done. And because it's not a squad game, you know, it makes it almost a bit more like serious Sam or something. You just have to like fend off waves of enemies which would be way more interesting but yeah it would feel like a like a log logical progression to to fear as well like oh yeah like like fear has obviously the slow down mechanic uh, and is a military shooter but with horror influences like a yeah very blatant all horror influences so the logical thing would have been to like look at something like that and be like how can we do a military horror type shooter, but then like evolve the like slowing down time thing? I know we'll add even more abilities than yeah. that. Yeah, and you know nobody's really done an FPS game since, which this could have almost leaned on in regards to. In fear, it's like your normal soldiers, but you're essentially going up against like you know. I can't remember a name from um Sekir or whatever. Um, it's the character from The Ring. Or like uh, Ringu or something. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, Sadako, yeah. Sadako, yeah. You're essentially, you're going up against like a kind of a ghost. It's somebody with like supernatural powers. But mm. no one's really done the FPS game where it's like, you're the person with the supernatural powers. And it, I guess it's because like Bioshock, you could kind of argue does lean into a bit of the hot body horror, magic powers stuff. But it's in the, you know, the basis of, uh, I'm, uh, I'm stuck in a place I hate, and uh, I got to get a thing, and I got to, I got to plug stuff into this other stuff. I just want to leave. I hate this. I also want to kind of just maybe I don't know if this is a hot take, but I I feel like uh, Bioshock is being held back as a horror experience by the fact that the Vida chambers exist. Yeah, exactly. I just feel like they deflate almost any and all tension. Like I was genuinely afraid of of the big daddies before playing the game for the first time then mm. i realized that the vita chambers were a thing and i was like yeah no no yeah, the fear is gone it's completely gone <laughs> no exactly you it would be better if it was more in the style of an old-fashioned you know quick load and quick save you only get one shot like even in regards to like if, if it would just had the old-fashioned checkpointing system like something like uh, evil within would probably still mm. keep the Oh, Resident Evil 4, where, you know, it does have quick saves, but it also has, you know, you have to hard physically save at some points, you know? Yeah. But, um, yeah, it's just like, nobody's really done a proper supernatural horror-themed FPS pretty much, yeah, pretty much since this one, which is kind of a shame, you know? Because it is a really cool thing to dip into. And there's very few games that do the dusk till dawn thing where it's like, half action half hot you know where one half the game the bit where you play it is like an action game but then it is set in the world of a horror movie essentially because you know you have stuff like dead by daylight which is fantastic but it's you know that is a game where the genre and the mechanics are built around the experience it's doing rather than how do we make this work in an fps essentially yeah. i also just think that it's that the game is just an interesting artifact. Like oh, I mean, totally. again, again, it's 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 just so stuck in. Like it's it's uh, narratively ironic, I guess, that this mm. game is just so stuck in time. Like 
uh, with the quick time events and and the way that it's written and and uh, it's just it it's a look at a future that we never got. Like we at some point maybe in an, in another universe maybe they eventually got. Clive Barker's Jericho 2 and Clive Barker's Jericho 3. We'll <laughs> never, never went know on. what that word looks like. Never went on uh, to make Castlevania or Metroid. That was it. It was they were Clive yeah, Barker's Jericho, Jericho games. It became their flagship franchise. Uh but yeah, it, it's just uh it's it's in, it's an interesting game and sometimes that's better than than anything else. Uh but I wouldn't. I would personally not call it a good one. No. Uh, <laughs> if but you, it's if very you, if interesting. If you make a um, like a a, a, sh- a podcast about like obscure shooters, mm-hmm. um, I would really recommend this one. Uh, I think it would probably. <laughs> if you're probably thinking of coming well. up with a competitor to Bullet Time, you would suggest covering Clive Barker's Jericho. And definitely Geist as well. 100%. Oh yeah, and Geist as well. Yeah, hundred percent. God. Um, ben, question for you: Which was better, this or Geist? Ah, James, you won't like the answer. Is the problem? Is this, I, isn't it? Yeah, I didn't like Geist. Wow. How? Uh, <laughs> I like saying Geist more than I like playing Geist. Wow. <laughs> uh, um, Pim, do you know anything about Geist? I own Geist as well. Wow. And I never finished that either. Big Geist um, head. Yeah. <laughs> So, but I, 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 I've probably played as much Geist as you two have played, uh, Clive Clive Barker's Barker's Fair enough. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. Uh, so I, I don't really have that much of an opinion on it, but I do think that, uh, on a conceptual level, or, or like a gameplay level, yeah. I think it's more interesting than than the Clive Barker's Jericho. Je- Clive Barker's Jericho is just like. Uh, interesting lore stuck in a terrible squad-based shooter. Yeah. Uh, Geist is maybe, like, the opposite. Mm. That it may be, it's it's an interesting game mechanic stuck in a, in a narrative that it's maybe not that good. I don't know. Again, I didn't play through it, but... You know what I would... You know how I would describe Clive Barker's Jericho? It feels like a really bad tie-in game to probably a very cool film yeah. or comic book. Mm. And it's weird that it's Which not. is funny that you say that because, uh, like, allegedly, um, uh, Clyde Barker himself said that uh, when he planned what he wanted to do with with uh, with this particular story, mm. again, I'm again just taking information from the Noah Gervais video. <laughs> uh, uh, but he, he allegedly said that um, he uh, he considered like should this be a movie should it be a comic book I don't know yeah uh, eventually I I figured out that this should be a video game and and in large part because I think it would make for a terrible novel uh, it would absolutely yeah. not work uh, and as Noah Gervais once again points out it doesn't really change when you switch mediums no that's mm. true yeah a bad story told in one medium is going to be a bad story told in another one. I can see in Clive's head, like, yeah, I can see them because they're all soldiers. That's an entertaining game. But, yeah, I don't know. I can see the version of this where it's, like, a 90s image comic where it's the X-Men, but it's all supernatural. And Well, oh no, it's essentially, it's, like, young blood, but it's all, like, supernatural rather than, like, superheroic stuff. And it's like, yeah, that would have been very cool. And then I would have found out there was a game made on it that wasn't very good, unfortunately. <laughs> yeah. 
Which usually is the case with X-Men too, isn't it? Oh, God, There aren't that many good X-Men games out there. There's, you can count, like, you on one hand, it's um, X-Men Origins Wolverine uh, made by Raven... The Wolverine game. Yeah, the Wolverine game made by Raven Software. Um, The two X-Men Legend games also made by Raven Software, both of which we didn't cover on the podcast because we were only doing FPS games. And... I think that's... Uh, and I guess maybe the Wolverine game yeah. that Insomniac are making. So pretty much, if it's got Wolverine in it, you know, you can't really go wrong, I suppose. Uh, uh, let's do the chart game, then. Okay. Let's wrap up the podcast. Actually, yes. should I... Quick. It's not much. Okay, uh, Ben... I just... Me, James and I, and occasionally uh, Snake will join in. Uh, we do a little game uh, where I ask James to guess the meta scores for new releases. Um, oh, usually, interesting. Okay. Usually he has a good idea of what's coming out and um, you know, I can kind of gauge the excitement. Uh, probably can't do it as well for random Mercury Steam games he's never played. Um, oh, so you want to do like a quick Mercury Steam like test the meta scores? Okay, I, I like this idea, and then yeah, we'll do the we'll do the charts. All we, right, we will. Uh, we'll get through this very quick. We'll start with. Um... Well, unfortunately, I know the answer to Clive Barker's Jericho. Okay, what's that? Uh, I believe I it's. Know. I believe it's either sixty or sixty-three. Uh, it averages out at sixty-two, which is oh, but there we go. So <laughs> nice, nice, clean. Hmm. Not a great score. No. Uh, one of their worst, Sorry, actually, which is surprising. Uh, what was that? One of their worst. Um, I can believe that. Um, I, <laughs> you say one of their worst. I'm guessing Scrapland is like what seventy two. Oh wow, seventy three. That's a wow. Good shout close. on that. Uh, um, Lords Castlevania of Laws of Shadow, I believe, is like eighty one or something. 83. It's a high. Wow. It's okay. Not a good game, but people liked it for some reason. I like it. Oh, it's pretty wow. good. <laughs> um, Mirror, Mirror of Fate, I believe, is like 70. Uh, 72. Um, oh, okay. That's, that's sort of the game that prototyped what they were going to do with Metroid. So that was the game why Sakamoto, that was the game that got Sakamoto to get them to do Samus Returns. Because yeah. originally they said, can we do Metroid Fusion? And he was like, no, <laughs> no Samus Returns, because that was the didn't. only one I didn't work on. And it's like, okay. <laughs> Uh, um, then Lords of Shadow 2. Oh, that's like a 50, right? Oh, it's higher than that, but that is, is a low 64. Ooh, okay. Um, I thought I, I thought that reviewed worse than it did. Um, Samus Returns, I think, is like 77 or something. It was an 85. Highest one. Wow. Yet. Why is it that high? It's, <laughs> that's, it's, that's it's high. quite baffling. It's quite baffling, especially... It, I won't get into it here. Uh, Space Lords does not have a meta score because it was not reviewed on Metacritic, so I've had to take the steam reviews um, oh god uh, mostly negative <laughs> uh you could it has a percentage oh of, um, like positive reviews oh of positive reviews are 65 percent uh no 52 oh god so, wow worst reviewed game people do not like space lords uh, don't blame them it's an a, an online fps mmo like game with um it was the game that they were gonna make when they thought they weren't gonna get any more metroid projects so yeah there we go and, and then, then i dread- think uh, 85. 88. Clean, okay. Clean 88. Um, so so it's... To me, it's a weird developer because I I don't like any of... Well, even Samus Returns, <laughs> don't I like think, them. is a... <laughs> no, I, I hated them for a while. 
uh, and I was quite upset wow. they were making Metroid Dread. But I played Metroid Dread, and it yep. completely, it just, it just completely shifted my perspective. I'm like, I don't know how they made this. I, and it's one of the most baffling developers I've ever seen. I'm, I will say, in the future, I do want to uh, play all their games and maybe make a video on well, it. Well, you've played one of them. You've, you've played Jericho. Yes, so. <laughs> I've played more than one. But yeah, yeah well, there we go. Clive Barker's Jericho is one. Excellent. Um, yeah. And where would you rank Clive Barker's Jericho in your like uh, pantheon of games? Um. Well, overall, or just between their games? Yeah, over, yeah. Over, uh, I'll tell you what, in FPS games that you've played. Oh, God, uh, probably the worst one. Uh, I can't really think <laughs> Okay. <of that. laughs> Wait, no, Geist hold on. You said, no, hold on, hold on. You said Geist was yeah, worse. Second, than... second worst to Geist. I don't really go out of my way to... I'm not like you. I don't... <laughs> That's true. I, you're you're a bit a, of a weird host for this podcast. I, I play Halo. <laughs> I play um, Call of Duty, a couple of Call of Duties. Oh, well, there not, we go. Not much uh, Clive Barker's Jericho. Well... To be honest, I didn't play Clive Barker's Jericho until before this podcast either. So, you know, it was uh, it was interesting. It was cool. Mm. Giving it a go, seeing what it was like. Now, right, charts. Clive Barker's Jericho. So, um, we're doing the US weekly charts. And Pim, just to let you know, so during this part, we don't have buzzers. But if you have, like, an idea, just, like, say, you know, uh, you know, uh, t- take a stab. You know, whatever you think it might be. It's all good. I'll uh, just yell the word stab. Stab! There we go. <laughs> I'll give you some advice. I tried saying Odama a lot last time. Didn't work. And I'm, <laughs> so. I'm going to give you. Um, I'm going to. I'm going to give you a bit of a cheat here, Ben. Odama's not going to work this time. I. No, because it was released in I think 2004. No. So this is the US weekly chart for the week ending October 27, 2007, when it would have charted. Clive Parker's Jerry. Uh, Clive, Parker, Clive Parker's Jerry. I wrote it down as Clive Parker's Jerry Kill on the document. <laughs> God damn it! Um, it debuted at number nine on the charts, which wow. is pretty impressive considering yeah. two of us particularly likes it. So they don't care. Um, but it's it's it's, it's the it's the star power. Exactly. Clive Parker was a big name, big enough yep. name to put on the box. So you know that was it. Um, but yeah, um, Xbox Three Hundred and Sixty debuted at number nine. Pretty good. Um, we'll do a top 10 on this one, just because, Ben, you haven't been on the podcast in a while, and, uh, you know, it'll be good fun. So, number one in the charts, in oh, its 49th week, having sold Jeez. over 4.8 million copies. Um, one of the biggest selling games of all time. Is it GTA 4? Wait, 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 which... Yeah, which month is this? Um, this is October 27th. Two, th- so this is the year 2007. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, it's not Halo 3. I'd say GTA 4. But that's Halo 3 is number 5 in the charts. Okay. Dear Lord. And that has sold 3.3 million units in its fifth week. Uh, ben, what was the one you said? Uh, GTA, GTA 4. No, G- not GTA okay. 4, unfortunately. Uh, didn't that come out in 2008? Uh, yes, uh, a no year idea. after this. Um, um, Ben, you should know what the, I was going to say, a po- is it Pokemon Platinum? No, but it's, it's a Nintendo game. Oh. Is it Mario Galaxy? Oh. It's not Mario Galaxy, it no, Sports? but it's Wii Sports. Yeah. Uh, oh yeah, of course. Yeah. For, um, so every episode, because so most of the games we cover on Bullet Time, like so far have come out <laughs> between like 2007 and like well, we even did one, like, we did one for Snake, it was just, like, 2012 or 2015, and we Sports was still <laughs> in the chart. <laughs> it's mental. It will never Fantastic. die. 
God. Wii Sports um, lives in the box. I'm, I'm, <laughs> and he keeps getting it out. from the box. That was, yeah, that was um, one of the, like, you know, you mentioned, um, you know, if they ever did like a second, like you said that this game feels like, like Clive Barker's a game out of time. Imagine if they did a sequel to Clive Barker's Jericho, where one of the layers was like a bad Xbox 360 FPS game from that era, but you oh played as like a modern FPS character in it. Oh, that would be brilliant if they actually like baked uh, the concept of the box like into the gameplay mechanics oh, as well. You get like right in the middle and it turns into like a Doom style game. Ah, oh, that'd be dope. Um, number two in the charts in his 22nd week oh. is an Xbox 360 game. It is a racing game franchise and, an, and a Microsoft exclusive one. So oh. it's Forza. Yes. It's it's uh it's not Motorsport Two, is it? It is Forza Motorsport. It is Forza Motorsport Two. Wow. It did come. Out- okay. I, I for some reason I thought it came out like a year earlier or something like that. Okay. Two thousand seven. Um, I be- when I bought I bought my Xbox three sixty I think that year and it came with Forza Two, Gears of War, and I can't remember what the year. Oh, I think it was like a I think it was like a Madden game, and I saw that pretty quickly. So then. <laughs> Because of course. Yeah, because American football. I mean, you know, I don't know what that is. Number three in the charts, and it's 53rd week, is a... Oh, God, how do I even describe this? Oh, this is a... So we were talking about X-Men Legends earlier, which is a Raven Software game. This series and this game in particular is like the sequel series to it. You play as... Oh, go ahead. Is it... It can't be Marvel Ultimate Alliance. It is Marvel it? Ultimate Alliance for the really? Xbox 360. Really? Wow. Yeah. 53 really? weeks. Damn. 50 f- number three, 53rd week. This game was huge by the really? looks of things. Wow. I had no idea. Who played See? it? I did, but I didn't. Okay. had no idea it was that big, though. I, I mean, Holy I crap. owned it. And it's like, <laughs> looking back on it, it's like, why did I own <laughs> Um. But yeah, uh, Ben, that's why um, that's why Nintendo forked out to do Ultimate Alliance Free. They knew it was a I big deal. I didn't know it was a big deal at all. I'd, I'd never even played it or huh. heard of it before. Well, there we so. go. Uh, yeah. Number four on the charts is going to be a game that will be a bit harder to describe. Um, it's a new entry. Um, it is the sixth entry in a long-running franchise by Namco. Is it Tekken? It's not Tekken, but no. you're on the you're on the right wavelength of. I think this was an. I think this was like a. This was like a play. This was like one of the games to buy a PlayStation for, right. the original PlayStation. Uh, wait, it's uh, no. Didn't that come out in two thousand and eight? I'm, I'm I'm gonna say Soul Calibur four. Oh, it's not Soul Calibur four, but on a similar wavelength. Soul Calibur used to be called Soul Edge and had to change its name. This series has also had to change its name to what it's known as today. Well, I was going to say, um, no. That's huh. Oh, interesting. Um, if I, I don't I, think I, Pac-Man's c- ever changed his name. <laughs> well, <laughs> he used to be, well, they wanted to call him Puck-Man because of the, because oh, of yeah, the sound true. that he made. So... Um, God, how do I how do I describe this without giving it totally away? Um, its subtitle is Fires of Liberation. Um, is it like? Is it? Uh, I want to say like. 
you said it was a fighting game or no it's no. um it is it is an amco game it's it's a kind of fighting not between people but between like vehicles of some kind with vehicles okay now i'm lost i, th- I thought it was maybe uh oh it's like, um, like a game called like Bound is it ace combat six it is ace combat six fighters yeah. liberation but yeah, it actually I haven't played it, but I played uh, Skies Unknown. I did some research on the franchise. Um, uh, yeah, it turned out that the original name for the game was like Air Combat, and then they were told to change it. So that's how yeah. the series became Ace Combat. I just completely so. forgot that they made. Oh, um, yeah, yeah, they made that series. Uh, Pim, you already guessed Halo Three at number five in its fifth week, having sold three point three million units. So at number six in its thirty seventh week, having sold two point two million units, is another Wii game. But which one is it? Wii Sports again! Uh, <laughs> yeah, Wii Sports somehow again. <laughs> similar, similar wavelength to Wii Sports. Is it... Um, uh, I wanted I to say Twilight Princess, but that can't be it. I don't think it's Wii uh, Party, is it? No, Wii Party wouldn't have come out, I don't think. It's really close with that. Yeah, I figured. Was it I, Wii, Mu- Wii Music? No, that wasn't out at this point. No, Wii and Music was like 09, I believe. Yeah, uh... Oh, no, it's annoying because I definitely know what it is, but it's just and you and you're gonna kill you're gonna kick yourself when I tell you because oh it's is it like, we play it's we play yeah, yeah. came with it, that existed <laughs> no and you know what's really funny is that we play like whenever we do these charts we play is always there and people go oh uh, it's like I totally forgot that existed but I own like four copies of it and it's like, oh, okay <laughs> uh, um, most people bought it because it came with uh, an extra controller yeah. So. Yeah. Same when we play oh, motion. Yeah. Oh yeah. Um mm. and we play did Lamb Who make a video about the tank minigame in that, or did somebody else do? I feel I like we play is one Lamb of those Hoot, things yeah. that come up like in weird circles. Um number seven in the charts is a new entry. Um a Sony exclusive platform game series. This is Ratchet the link. But which Something. one? Two, three, two. Mm. No. This is a PS3 game, so yeah, it's oh, one it? with one of those subtitles that or? is like sexually suggestive. Uh, kind of. This it's has not Quest for Booty. It's, it's uh, not. It's not Quest for Booty. No, this weirdly has two subtitles, and I'm not sure why. Is it like that one that's called Armageddon or something? The, no, uh, it's not. Um, um Annihilation. No. Oh, yeah. That's the last PS2 one, I believe. I mean, I assume I assume it has two tiles because one of them has an innuendo in it. Because I guess kind like, of a lot of them do have an innuendo in the in the Ratchet and Clank subtitles. Not yeah. sure why, but I guess that was a theme <laughs> for not, a while. It isn't the time one, is it? Mm, no, it's not. Um, uh, Rift Apart, whatever it is. That's the PS5 no, no, one. No, not not that one. There was um. I think it's Russian client. It was a time one. I think you're probably right. Um, I'll try and give you some clues then. So, the first subtitle of this is a is is Russian client something colon, and the something is like they gave it a weird sub series to be like, hey, these are the PS3 ones, and it's kind of like Ratchet and Clank, like God, I'm trying to think of the word, <laughs> like how to describe this word. If if the old PS2 games are in the past, these ones are in the. 
the oh, future. Oh, okay. Um, ben, uh, ben, what did you say? I'm the fu- future apart. Yeah, so Ration Clank future colon something of something. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I feel like I'm gonna know like the second you you say it I think the memories are gonna flood back okay all right I'm gonna I'm gonna pull the ripcord then so new entry this week for the PS3 Ration and Clank Future Tools of Destruction oh yeah oh, not an okay. innuendo in that no, one no no I, I guess when did they start with those all like in the PS2 era, or when did they start doing those? Because I do know, well, I, I want to remember there are like at least one or two from the PS3 era who, like, did, so like they did have some. Kind yeah, of- so the PS2 ones is obviously Ration and Clank, and then up your arsenal, and then um, uh, I don't know, like uh, I, I got a uh, my big gun or whatever it's called, and then Deadlocks. <laughs> and then, and then on the PS3, it is um, it's, it's Tours of Destruction is the future one. But then they do have Quest for Booty and like One for All or something like that, which is the co-op one. Yeah, the Rational Clank series is odd. Uh, James, the game that came after Quest for Booty was a crack in time, which is what I was thinking of. Oh, okay. And is that also a Rational Clank future, or is it literally yeah, just this Fu- one? That's I think it's called Future Two in Japan, is what it seems to say. Weird. Number eight in the charts in its fourth week is a Nintendo DS game, um, a long-running Nintendo franchise, and this is its first DS entry. So it's a um, new Super Mario Bros? No, it is not. It's the other it's... Uh, long-running Nintendo franchise. The other one. Oh, is it uh, Phantom Hourglass? It is Legend of Zelda Phantom oh. Hourglass for the DS. We already guessed, well, we didn't guess that number nine is Clive Barker. And so number 10, the final one we got to guess, it's a new entry. And it's weird that this is number 10, considering that we've been talking about this developer all episode. And this game that's in the charts would be closely associated with them after Jericho. So uh no it's not it's not Metroid Prime 3 because that no. came out in 2008 yes. or 9 even That's, No it's I, yeah, Prime 3 is a 2007 game I think but I think it's late 2007 I also don't think, think. it did super well <laughs> so. No <laughs> worst selling <laughs> worst selling Metroid game somehow yeah, It's actually quite dire Um uh, No the it's other one. um Castlevania game uh, it is a Castlevania game, Ben, but do you know which one it is? 2007. I, I don't want... <sighs> hmm. It, I'll give uh, you a clue, then. Portrait of oh, Sorrow? Sorry. Uh, Portrait of Ruin, even? No, it's not the no. DS one. I will give you a clue. It is a re-release of an older game for the PSP. <gasps> Pim. Oh, I know. Uh, I, I was about to say, when you said re-release, I was just, th- because I was thinking to myself, like, w- wouldn't it be funny if it was, like, the Xbox Live version of Symphony of the Night? Oh, no. That um, that would have been really good. This game does come <laughs> it, with Symphony of the Night, though. It's, um, it's Blood, it's Rondo oh, it's, Blood, isn't it? The, uh-huh. Yeah. I forgot the name. What's Is it, it called? Dracula X? No. Yeah, okay, I'll give it to you. It's the Dracula X Chronicles. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For PSP. Number 10 in the charts, which is impressive wow, for is both actually, a Castlevania game and a PSP game. So, yeah. 
Good. So what have we learned? That Clive Barker is bigger than Castlevania. Yeah, exactly. That's you know what? That's why they got that, that's why they had um Mercury Steams. They it. said how how do we move up the charts? Just by one spot. Oh, these these guys <laughs> seem to know Literally, what which is gonna work our way through the developers. So we'll buy <laughs> the Clive Barker guys first, and then um who made Phantom Ar- Nintendo? Oh, okay, never mind. Oh. <laughs> we tried. All right. <laughs> well, well, I guess we'll stick with the, the Mercury Steam guys. You know, apparently, so the whole reason why that game, um, so why I, I want to call it God of War, but it's a fucking it. <laughs> Castlevania God of War, Castlevania Lords of Shadow. So the whole reason that game happened is because they were making another game for Konami, who then said, let's make this a Castlevania game. And then like a couple of months into development, they said, no, we're canceling it. We don't think this is going anywhere. <laughs> so the producer of the game flew over to Japan and like, invited himself into Konami and showed it to a bunch of like high up producers <laughs> one of which was Kojima who said okay yeah this project's my baby now <laughs> it's, word it's for so, word what he said actually it's, yeah. low, it's low concept for Kojima <laughs> it is bizarre that Kojima really gelled with it but then maybe I don't know he was just thinking well eh, what's a game that I would like to play on the yeah. PlayStation. He, he fucking hates Death Stranding. He, he can't stand it. <laughs> what he hated the idea of Death Stranding even before Death Stranding came out. And he was looking <laughs> he at ha- this. He hates the way his mind works. Do you think Kojima's like secretly like a really big FPS head? Do you think he would like Je- <laughs> do you think he would like Jericho? Big Jericho fan, definitely. <laughs> he- I think it would like laugh and like very uh, like not wanting to step on anyone's toes would be like like yeah I love the how the thing looks. Oh yeah, no, he do like one of those kind of like fake laughs and then like a thumbs up and then just walk away. Yeah, I was sure. I was la- I was just laughing at the idea that he's like um like a Sakurai where he plays it and he goes, I'm I'm more of a multiplayer guy. I'm, I'm more into <laughs> I'm more into grinding like uh, my multiplayer stuff. I'm not really single player stuff. Just isn't really my bag. Soz. He's just like he's just like the biggest like monster chugging, like CS:GO like watching guy. <laughs> uh, uh, Pim, it has been wonderful having you on the podcast to talk about Clive Barker's Jericho and figuring out the. Ch- you know what I. I'm sh- I, I'm I'm shocked at like how good are the chart stuff you were. I was worried that it'd be like, oh. You know how many games have you played? But yeah, all the 360 stuff. You were well tuned in. Yeah, well, I I, I was a, an Xbox 360 kid. Well, there we go. <laughs> so yeah, I guess it makes sense. I never played Forza Horizon, uh, not Horizon, Forza Motors, Motorsport 2, though. But I I did keep up with releases. Well, there we uh, go. It was back when I still wanted to be a video game journalist. <laughs> oh wow. A I, mean, hey, you do, I guess it sort of panned out that way. You know what? You, in do, a way, you do video but... game journalism now, so yeah. that counts. Hundred percent. Speaking of, is there any um any like plugs or anything that you want to have people have a look at before we wrap up? Or... Well, I, I guess. I mean, this is gonna date the episode somewhat, but we've we've already done that. So, ah, sure, yeah. <laughs> but 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 yeah, uh, I I do uh, I do have a a particular project planned that I'm working on right now that is about uh, the scary movie franchise uh, where I'm going to be attempting to do like uh, an, a genuine attempt to not <laughs> just like ridicule these films or something like that but rather try to 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 see how these films can sort of 
tell us something even about what the horror movie genre looks like today because wow. i mean sure you can you can criticize these films for for having like inappropriate humor and they do a mm. lot of that um uh but still like if you're if you're parodying something there has to be some level of actual like analysis and critique going into it so clearly these films are saying something about the genre yeah. and i kind of want to try to figure out what these films are saying and how they're saying it uh, so yeah it's it's a, it's a it's a serious attempt to analyze the scary movie franchise i'm i'm really um, keen so, about that and not just because of the fact that like i watched those films like so much when i was a teenager but <laughs> oh same yeah god and it'll be such an interesting thing as well because like the first scary movie is so like it owes so much to like lampooning scream but Scream itself is like a deconstruction and like an analysis of the slasher genre. So it's essentially, it's like an analysis of an analysis. So it's like, how does that kind of get photocopied like into scary movie essentially? But God, yeah, yeah and there is a, there's an interesting angle to that as well that I kind of want to explore uh, in the video as well. I'm not going to go like that much into Scream specifically, but yeah, for sure there is, uh, there is an important distinction I feel between how uh, how Scream and Scary Movie does it, apart from the fact that one is very blatantly a parody oh, and totally. the other is more of a like a deconstruction that sort of throws in uh, some occasional winks at the audience. Yeah. Cool, I'm very much looking forward to that. Ben, have you seen any of the Scary Movie films? I think uh, the no. first one came out before you were born. So. Possibly. Really? That doesn't sound right. No, I, uh, yeah, the first one came out in either 99 or, the, or like 2000 on the dot. Okay, so. I might be 2000, right yeah. Okay, great. Yeah. 2000 it came out. I, I'm a pre-scary pre, uh, movie guy. Um, Post-scary movie guy, technically. Yeah. Oh, I was born that yeah. What a label to use. I'm a post-scary movie guy. <laughs> yeah, I'm a post-scary... Yeah, just going to start wearing a t-shirt that says that. <laughs> And I'm going to yeah, wear we... a t-shirt that says uh, Shigeru Miyamoto's toilet anal- analyst. <laughs> See, that's going to be the new merch. In the if bullet. I had a merch store, I would totally steal this idea and just like do both of those shirts. Well, there we go. Folks, let us know in the comments. Uh, leave us a five-star review and say if you want any of those t-shirts. Uh, ben, <laughs> thank you for coming back. To mm-hmm. You're now starting to... I'm, well, I say you are. I'm kind of pigeonholing you as like the horror FBS guy. Oh, after, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's kind of my niche, I think. And uh, <laughs> no, after we did guys nice. and uh, we did um, Cloudbag Surrogate. It's funny because I was going to start the episode by asking like, what do we all feel is like a, like a trope, like a stereotypical, like, like one of the, like one of the, the horror legends, like, like the Dracula or the Wolfman or whatever. Which one of those would be, like, the best FPS? Like, what would be a really interesting, like, mythological horror creature to build an FPS game around? But, I don't know. I mean, I guess, I guess I'll quickly ask that now, then. Well, what's our thoughts? What, what, would we, what do we think would be a good FPS protagonist out of, like, the classic horror monsters? Hmm. I not really thought that, you know? It's a new one. I just... I'm just spontaneously thinking like a mix of, you know, Dracula and Dishonored or something like that. Ooh, that'd be good. Or you're, basic, you're basically a Dracula or a Dracula-esque character, uh, and you basically have 
similar gameplay loops yeah. as, as Dishonored. You turn I mean, into the, fog. the powers are already kind of like like the, the way you sort of blink in in uh, I think it's Dishonored too. Yeah. Uh, I mean, you could do that, but with bats, yeah. Like you, the rat thing is already feels kind of like yeah. vampire adjacent. So it's like I, I think it would be very easy to to do Dishonored, but with vampires. Basically. There we go. I, um, Mortal Shadow Two has stealth sections where Dracula turns into yeah. a rat. So. I, I don't. Yes. I don't think you're wrong at all. But my my brain has been rotted by our other podcast that we did. Um, and oh, game over time where Dracula. you can do the Dracula voice. Yeah. <laughs> all I can think about is, is Dracula in a um a house a home improvement sort of uh game. <laughs> <laughs> That's the only genre I can picture Dracula in these days. Uh, just you know, how many nails do we need for this plank? <laughs> oh, oh uh, the blood. <laughs> you would like to see a werewolf. Jackula line, right? I'd like to see a werewolf with a gun. I don't know if that's. You think that'd be funny? A werewolf with a gun? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> wait, um... wait. Is the person already a, a oh, wolf that'd be at good. that point? You're not a werewolf all it... the time. No, that's yeah. true. So, what you're thinking of, like a stealth game where you can like change between them, but I you think... just like the idea of just like a werewolf holding like a gun. <laughs> no, I think you're a first-person prote- shooter protagonist at day. And by night, oh, but then you turn into a werewolf. By night, you're the doing the werehog sections from Sonic. Uh, yeah, and it turns into the werehogs. Oh no, from Unleashed. <laughs> I think it should be like a very uh, not annoying per se, but I think it should be almost like how malaria works in Far Cry Two, where Ooh. it's just a sort of like a nuisance <laughs> where you don't really control when you're gonna turn into a werewolf. You're like you, you might be in the middle of a very in- intense fight. And yeah. then you have very limited control of what your wolf form actually does. And you can't shoot the gun anymore because you just have a big paw. Like, your, foot, <laughs> like your fingers can't fit in there. You know, I, when you mentioned Werewolf, I thought of the stupidest idea, which was like, you know how like in FPS games, you just try and like hoover up as much ammo as you can. Just like, you never know when you need it. That, but it's like, you're a werewolf and you're just like, you're just trying to like get as much silver bullet ammo as you can so nobody else can use it against <laughs> you. <laughs> Um, and that's all the game is <laughs> it's, <just, laughs> it's an FPS game where you use silver bullets on other people who aren't werewolves so they can't use it against you you got a metal detector going around looking for silver get rid of it all there we go yeah you have yeah. like um, adjudicators like um, testing yep that's pure pure 24 karat silver there you, you're not going to get anything better than that <laughs> God. Oh, God, man, we should maybe amazing concept. Maybe we should bring game over. Man, with the game over time magic is still there. It just it keeps it keeps coming back. It's a, it's yeah. a timeless concept. Exactly. We, we we could we we'll get more of the magic going in bullet time. I reckon. Maybe we'll combine them and we'll do game bullet overtime or something. I don't know. They both have time in the name. There's something there. There we. That's very true. Um, is there anything that you want people to um check out, Ben? Uh, my YouTube channel, Hate Me Ben. Uh, I am in the middle of playing through the Paper Mario games, and Ooh. I will be writing about Super Paper Mario. Hopefully, uh, I have an idea for a script, a thesis. I'm excited about it. I don't know what it's going to look like yet, when it will come out. So, eventually, just subscribe. <laughs> Very excited, yeah. Subscribe at Hate Me Ben on YouTube. Uh, for because uh, you have got some videos on there already, and they're all very good. Uh, just just watch the moon one, and the Forza one's pretty good. I like that one. Forza one's uh, pretty good. So those those two best hits. The others, 
Chibi Robo's the chi- right. And, no. the chibi, and the Chibi Robo one that's in one minute remaining. I don't like the other one. Just if if you wow. watch the Breath of the Wild one, you can. Uh, it's on there. Also, mm-hmm. uh, Game Overtime episodes are on YouTube. You Game Overtime watch, watch episodes are on there. Very uh, true. It's another podcast we did. It's still funny. <laughs> it still holds up. The jokes <laughs> are still fresh, man. <laughs> Uh, I've been James. You can follow me on Twitter at HotSider, H-O-T-C-Y-D-E-R. And if you want to support the podcast, you can do it over at Patreon at the same address as well. Uh, next episode, we will be joined by Chris Franklin, Camster from YouTube. And we'll be talking about... Nice. Yeah, Aaron Signal, folks. He's coming. And he'll be talking about um, Blood, uh, in particular Blood uh, Fresh Supply, the uh, re-release of the classic... Monolith Soft, uh, not Monolith Soft, Monolith Productions <laughs> FPS game. So I hope you join us for that. Uh, until next time, though, folks, keep blasting. Bang, bang. Clive Barker's Jericho in. Clive, yeah, keep Jericho in. <laughs> keep curling those Jerry's. Keep, yeah, keep curling those Jerry's, folks. <laughs> oh. That's perfect. That's the perfect ending to this. Perfect ending. There you go. The Bullet Time Podcast is made possible by Eric Hamilton Schneider, Valerie B, VG, and the Hot Cider Support Tier. If you'd like to help with the production of episodes and gain access to extra content, consider supporting over at patreon.com forward slash hot cider. That's H-O-T-C-Y-D-E-R. A special thanks to Max Coburn for the bullet time theme tune.